Amen. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Um, I, I want to talk about today uh, singleness, marriage, divorce, and remarriage. That's the title today. Part one. That's part one. Uh, Father, we thank you. We honor you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you for the word of God that deals with very, very practical issues um, and, and the complexities of living in a fallen world. And so, God, I pray that you would, you would throw down in this place for your glory, even in a text like this where we can see the hand and heart of the living God uh, in this passage. And so, God, I pray that you would, we would even see the Lord Jesus Christ, we see his gospel, that we see his name lifted up, even in the midst of such a challenging, challenging, challenging passage, Lord. And I need power. I, you know, I need it every time I get up to communicate your word. Give that power that makes preaching easy like the old church used to say. And God, uh, uh, and Lord, I, pr- I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you would open up the minds of your people, that they would even see this passage as a word in season. Lord God, and a word that prepares them for a season yet to come. Lord God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O oh God, our strength and our redeemer in whom we trust. Help us not to be hearers of the word, but doers of the word, pleasing you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I mean, you may be seated. Um, <laughs> there are some passages of Scripture that I would rather save for pastoral counseling. Um, this is one of them. Uh, this probably wouldn't be a passage if I was just doing a series that I would just grab and just preach on. And so I like the fact that in doing exposition, you, you, it's some things you can't make a left turn or a U-turn around but you have to kind of deal with and begin to engage and to really, really lovingly engage it in all of its facets to really see and seek and develop in, in, in a bunch of areas of life. I, I just recently um, uh, peeped uh, some snippets on iTunes uh, of an album uh, by, by, by Babyface and Tony Braxton. Um, some of y'all, that's, you know, that's, you're not listening to them. You, 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 you listen to J. Cole and Drake, you know what I'm saying? The Christians don't act like y'all ain't listening to that, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? And some of y'all, um, shame on you, listen to Trinidad James. I'm going to pray for you after the service, if that's even music. Some of y'all look at, listen to Ricky Rose. God bless you. Um, but, 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 you know, I, I, che- I checked out the title because I was very, very interested in the title. The title of the album was Love marriage, and divorce. And basically, they're trying to th- take you through an anth- anthology soulfully of some of the issues that people deal with and really talk about those issues from a male's perspective and a female's perspective. And of course, Babyface and uh, 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 Tony Braxton have both gone through all three of those. And so they're giving their writer's perspective on those issues and they're speaking on them from an anthropomorphic standpoint. Anthropomorphic meaning from a human standpoint. And, and, and what I see is, is, is they're trying to add, I guess, if you will, to, to, to the matrix of music, more mature and comprehensive topics versus just party stuff. Okay, and, and, and which, which in many ways I can, I can big up that, that they want to make the, the, the stream of communication of art to expand upon that. And, and I'd like to do the same from a redemptive standpoint today as it relates to this sermon. It, it, it's, 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 as I get in this text and as we get in this text, I'm blown away at how the Bible um, 
is preset to deal with every single issue in our lives. I mean, the more and more we preach the Bible, the more and more we get in the Word of God, the more and more I'm appreciative of the Lord who is gracious enough to give us information based on, listen, the information based on our brokenness and our mess up. He can just give us the standards and leave it all out of the way. But he's so gracious and loving and so merciful through Christ that he'll even deal with the intricacies of what we've created because of a fallen world and how to navigate it as a Christian. Because God is not absent-minded, in fact, in his redeeming of us, in the redeeming process of conforming us to the image of Christ, our lives get messy. Or y'all ain't going to say nothing. Anybody here, is your life, have it ever been messy? Anybody. I'm, I think I'm by myself. I know this is the first service, but I'm going to push it just a tad because I know I'm going to teach a little bit today. But, 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 but it's interesting to me that, that, that the messiness of life always demands a word from God. <laughs> and so here we are in this section of Scripture on it's time to grow up. Somebody say it's time to grow up. Yet in another area of life, Paul is calling God's people to grow up. It's calling them to grow up in their singleness. The singles, y'all been waiting on this for me to talk about single stuff. Like, Hallelujah. You always talk about marriage. Thank you. All right? So we're going to touch on some singleness today, but it's, a, it's, it's sort of a, com- a complexity here. We're going to talk about marriage and growing up in marriage, growing up and dealing with divorce issues. Because we have, we, Epiphany's gotten to the point now where we're no longer just a church of 25-year-olds and 30-year-olds who are professionals or people from the neighborhood or people that have moved here from somewhere else and, 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 are, and, and are just on, a, on the same wavelength uh, age-wise or just college students. We're now seeing more seasoned folk come here, more divorced folk come here, um, more single parents coming here who have gone through divorce, more professionals and more singles who haven't gotten married yet and they're hitting at mid-30 mark and wondering if it's ever going to happen. And so in light of that, we get to touch on some of those issues that God would help us through his word to help us develop through. I don't have one point today because I just want to walk this text, okay? I really want to, I really want to teach and walk through this text. I want to give you three points in a poem. I really, because of the complexities in the passage, I really want us to spend some time explaining what's here. Is that Okay. Okay, okay, and so, so, so Paul, in dealing with this section, um, the, what sparked this is Paul was dealing with issues on sexuality, and, and, and it moved to go from sexuality to the complexity of relationships within the framework of the Christian church, and so we're not talking about <coughs> the world here. We're not talking about the world. We're talking about this is the stuff that's happening in the church, okay? Singles de- uh, trying to deal with what does it mean to be a single Christian, what does it mean to be single? Does my life count if I'm a believer and I'm single, or does my life count as a believer once I get married? <coughs> married folk that's getting discontent with being in their relationship with their spouse. Don't say amen on that part. <laughs> and them struggling and wrestling through that. And then divorced folk wondering if they're loved by God still. Divorced folk wondering I may have made a mistake or did I make the right decision? How do I work through that as a Christian? I, I, I'm wondering, can I ever be valuable to God again? Um, and then remarriage. It, 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 is, 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 this the, is this the last time I'm going to get married? Hopefully, um, hopefully, there won't be no more issues with marriages. 
But Paul begins walking through this. And so he says in verse 6, he says, now, as a concession, not a command. I like this. I say this. It's interesting that everything that he's going to say in part of this is going to be for concession, not command. In other words, in verse, in verse 6, the things, the things after verse 6 are going to enter the stage of command. But, but, but in verse 6, he's doing what's called a concession. Somebody say concession. In, in, in other words, a, a concession means permission or allowance. And so what is he allowing here? He says, I wish that all were as I am. He means single. Paul, like, I wish everybody was like me. We can, get a, we can end all this complexity real quick. You know what I'm saying? Which I doubt because Paul was complex as just as many of us, right? But I think he's, ta- he, he, he's talking a little bit more about getting ministry done, which we'll talk about later. But he said, I wish everyone was like I am. He says, but, but, but this is what he says, and I like this. And we're going to deal with this next week when we get to verse 17 a little bit more. He says, but each one has his own gift from God, one one kind and another another. Now, he's going to build on this foundation of gifts. Now, in, 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 now, he's talking about two specific gifts here. Now, before we talk about those two gifts, let's talk about the word gift. Um, the word gift here is the word charismata, <clears throat> which, 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 which is a beautiful word because in its lexical form family, it has embedded in it the word grace. Grace. Every, every gift that God gives his people is an act of unmerited favor. You don't gift yourself. That means that, you're, that, that, that God, has, God sovereignly chooses what your life is going to be like based on what he believes best glorifies him through your life. Can I pause there for a second? Let, let me see. Some of y'all are mad at where God has you. Some, some of y'all are mad at what God gives you. But if you become more acquainted and intimate with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, you'll begin to get excited about it. See, when you're passionate about his glory, when you're passionate about his honor, when you're passionate about his reign, what you'll begin to do is the more acquainted you get with him through Jesus Christ and you recognize that he sovereignly dispensed to you what he wants in you and for you and through you, guess what? You'll settle your butt down and begin to maximize your life. But, but, but until you get there, until you, and, and, and until you see who God has made you to be as a grace, you're going to be discontent. Wow. <laughs> That's it right there, you, let me tell you something. You can't create your own destiny. I know the world tells you, you just make it happen. Listen, you can't make nothing happen that God ain't anointed and appointed. God is only with what he's blown on you. I wish I had time to just stay right there. Whatever God has blown on you, let me tell you something. The ghost of God is sovereign. The Holy Spirit, we'll see in 1 Corinthians, sovereignly dispenses gifts. It's interesting that when I get questions on gifts, elders, I rarely get it on these two gifts here. But, but, but the charismata, the, the charis, I always get, you know, the sign gifts. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? That, you know, that people decide whether they're going to be here or not based on that, you know. <clears throat> but, but, but Paul is talking about fundamental gifts that each Christian, these two gifts are different than spiritual gifts. They're life callings. <clears throat> As a matter of fact, verse 17 calls it an assignment. I'm going to get there soon. I'm going to get there. I don't want to pre-preach it. 
But, but, but here he calls, Paul saying, I wish everybody had the life gift to be single. Singleness is a life gift and marriage is a life gift. Okay? <laughs> now, 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 if you're single and you're not married yet, you're walking in the life gift of that season until God places you in a marriage. Therefore, you can't function married even though you're called to be married, but you're still single, so you're living in that phase. you got to be okay with that. <laughs> but the married person, you can't be wishing again you single. Come on now. Oh, y'all ain't going to say nothing to me. <clears throat> uh-uh. you, oh, I wish I was out of this. Oh, God, I wish I... But, 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 but what's powerful, family of God, what's powerful about this is Paul is letting them know that he's not sovereign. He says that under inspiration, he said, I'm not sovereign, so I, God knows better than me. Even though I wish everybody was single, everybody ain't. I know some of y'all are like, thank you, Lord Jesus, right? <laughs> but some are called, somebody say called. called. Some are called sovereignly by God and predestined to be single. And that's not a curse. Because it's a grace gift from God. Don't you ever see singleness as a lack of, don't ever see what God has created as a calling, as a curse. I can't tell you how many singles we pastor here who think that their singleness is a curse from God versus a blessing from God. And so what it does is when you're discontent with where God has placed you, what you begin to do is you try to manufacture a place in life where God has. Some of y'all are going to be single for the rest of your life. For the rest of your life. And, 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 and your identity is not less than that of married folk. All right? <laughs> and, and, and so, but, but then Paul also says that people who are married, he's going to explain why most of the passage, this section of the passage, is going to deal with married folk. Then the next section is going to deal with different phases of life, but Zoom lens in on singleness, okay? <laughs> and, so, and so he begins going down and he begins laying out. He says, <coughs> excuse me, verse 6, he says, to the unmarried and widows, I say that it is good for you to remain single as I am. So he, he basically makes it here a choice for them, Okay? Unmarried, pointing to single. Now, the word remain here is an interesting word. It's, 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 it's the word that John loves to use this word. It's the word minnow. This is a beautiful word. Because embedded in this word remain is, is, is the word to abide. In, in other words, it, it, it's, it's, it's what we do. It's what we do when God has called us to cling to Jesus Christ. Ultimately, it points back to John 15, to me, which is an anthology on the word abide and remain and stay and be faithful. That's what the word means. The word means to be faithful. Somebody says be faithful. And, and, and so, and so, and so he, he's beginning to let them know that God, whatever stage of life God has put them in, he wants them to be faithful to that season and stage of life. This is powerful. And so he begins going down and he gets on the marriage issue now. We're going to come back to that <laughs> next week. He says, but if... They cannot exercise self-control. Uh-oh. Self-control means passions on a leash. 
passions on the leaf. I, I may have said this before, but, but, but when, you get a, when you weren't a believer, your passions are all over the place. When you're not, when you're not a Christian, <clears throat> they're all over the place. When you trust Jesus Christ, he, he restores you so that he, the passions that he's given every human being can be leashed to self-control. And your, 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 your passions are, are, are like a, a dog in heat at all times about everything in its life. Okay, it's a, <laughs> that's what your passions are like. But it doesn't change when you get saved, even though it can be redeemed to be used for God. But it's still, it's a, it's a young puppy. It's all over the place. It wants everything. And so what God does is he gives you a leash called self-control, part of the fruit of the Spirit. That part of the fruit of the Spirit is a leash so that you can tell your passions where it can and can't go. In other words, when your passions, you, you, you got to talk to your passions now before you leave the house every morning. You got to say, sit, 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 sit. Hey, ah, I ain't say roll over. I said, sit. Thank you. Good dog. All right? Now, now before we leave out the crib today, ah, 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 wait, wait. I know you saw another dog and you want to roll over there. Chill out. And when we go out here, I don't want no mess out of you. Do you understand? All right, you open the door, and you go, huh? But see, some of us, you know, you know, you know, in Philly, you know, people got, you know, pressers, canarios, and you know, pit bulls and everything. You know, you can't just buy no leather suede le- leash for them jokers. You got to go to like a hardware store. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. I got a couple of hood rats in here. Listen, and, 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 and you got to get a link chain. You can't get no little bitty chain. You got to get one of them big joints. You know what I'm saying? Like the Road Warriors back in the day. See, y'all know nothing about that, about WWF. Y'all know WWE. Y'all know nothing about WWF. But they had them big chains around their neck. And those chains, the chain, when you put the chain on the dog, it, it's because of the power of the dog needs a large chain to keep it under control. Wish I had some help right there. Yeah, God has given you through the Holy Spirit, through the death of Christ, the ability for a powerful link chain to keep your pit bull passions under control. That's what he's done. That's what he's done. That's what he's done. And so, and so, and so what, what, what we're called to do is not take our passions off a leash. And that's what Paul is saying here. Paul is saying, don't take your passions off the leash. Keep them locked on. That's what he's saying here. He said, but if you, he said, he said but if you lack self-control, you, you have a hard time exercising self-control. Then you have to get a double leash. You got to get married. <laughs> it's in the text, man. It's in the text. He said, the nation married. He said, even if you sovereignly call to be single, he said, listen, God's okay if you punk out and get married. That's what the text says. I ain't make that up. It's in the Hebrew, Greek. I mean, Greek, 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 Greek. He said, for it's better to marry than to burn. Um, But that's, you shouldn't let that be. If somebody says that to me, I mean, I understand that it's a biblical concession. Remember, he's talking concession right here, not command. I understand it's a concession, but that's not, that's not, that's not going to work for long. You can't get married and have tapology for a little while, then you're going to want more tapology. Until you get to the point, for those who don't know, that meant sex. Um, <clears throat> but, but the issue is, but the issue is, um, you, you know, we, we want to be in a place where the only reason we got married is not to fulfill ourselves, but fulfill the glory of God. He says in verse 10, he says to the married, I give this charge, not I, but the Lord. I remember back in the day, people used to try to trip us up with this on the college campus. See, 
See, you could tell he's not talking, you know, at one point, God talking at one point. See, he's just made, but that's not what he's saying here. <laughs> he's basically saying, these are things that Jesus taught on in this incarnation. When he was on earth, <clears throat> you know, Matthew 19, Jesus Christ gets a question from the Pharisees, and he begins teaching on marriage, divorce, and remarriage uh, spontaneously. And so he's saying, these are the things that the Lord say. Later, he's going to say, not the Lord, but I, not saying that he's not under inspiration, but he's saying, I'm expanding on the, fa- I mean, Jesus' teaching on marriage. Are you checking with me? Okay. So, so, so he says, he says, the wife should not separate from her husband. Wow. Now, basically, now he's talking about two Christians. He's talking about two Christians. He says, you should not separate. Um, and, and, and in other words, he's talking about Jesus. He said, what God has joined together, let no man what? Separate. Okay. Because he said it was not like what y'all made up in the beginning. He said it wasn't like that because the two become one, right? And so, and, so, and so separate here is not our modern-day version of separation. That's not what the word here means. It's not our modern-day word of separation, which basically means, you know, I'm going to just separate from you, even though there are times when that's necessary, okay? And we'll talk about that for a season, Okay. He said, he, he, he's basically helping them to recognize this. The so Christians got married, and what happened is, is they began getting frustrated with each other because in this passage, uh, uh, even, even those who were married were having, remember we talked about this, were having issues with adultery. And so he's basically giving the concession. He's saying, uh, just because your spouse committed adultery doesn't mean you have to get a divorce. Y'all quiet on this part, Okay. He said that the, the, the woman should not just dip on her husband, just leave out, right? And so, and, so, and so this was a very, very sensitive issue, separating divorce and remarriage and the teaching, but it's made clear by Paul. He said, but if she does, she should remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And the husband should not divorce his wife. And so Paul is pushing forward um, the idea of holding the sanctity of marriage up. That, that's, that's the point. That's the point. That's the point. He's, he's tr- he doesn't want God's people to see marriage as a liquid relationship. That, that's what he's trying to help God's people see it as is, is, is because, because he, he doesn't want you to see it as a, now I want, I want to talk grace with those who have been divorced, so please, I'm not beating you up today. I'm just giving you this book. And, and, and if you made some mistakes in this area, we're going to love on you, pray for you, and God's grace is upon you, okay? But I want to teach this book so that we can, we can solidify, not liquefy, what marriage should be. It shouldn't be a clear option of you wanting to run away from your marriage. And so Paul, Paul, Paul said that they should be reconciled. Somebody say reconciled. Now, to be reconciled, the, the, uh, reconciliation it's a very, very important word in the Bible because it, it, it's one of the key gospel words in the Bible. Reconciliation uh, is, 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 is a word that talks about people coming back together for forgiveness. If you're going to be married, married there's going to be daily reconciliation with your spouse. Oh, them amens weren't loud enough, married folk. You, you are, when you get two sinners in process, you get two sinners in process who are still a mess and got issues, 
Both of you. Don't, see, most of us think our spouse got issues. <laughs> see, God, if you'd have made them better, we wouldn't be in the situation we're in. The fact that you said that, right. you sinned when you said that. Because most of the time, we think that people need to be reconciled to us, but we don't need to be reconciled to them. And that's where the problem lies in marriages. Because when you have cascading and dominoing non-reconciled issues, if you begin to callous towards each other because y'all don't cross the cross anymore. And so you've made a dysfunctional marriage, help me God, when, where there's no repentance, there's no reciprocity, there's no res- reparations. But, but in order to reconcile, there has to be repentance. Help me, Jesus Christ, in the Holy Ghost today. That means, some, that don't mean just say I did it wrong. I know I was wrong. I know I was wrong. I mean, you know. You're supposed to forgive me. It trips me out. Then nowhere in the Bible does anybody demand forgiveness. You can ask for forgiveness, but you can't demand forgiveness. You're supposed to forgive me. Your heart ain't even in the right place. How are you going to demand somebody forgive you? You can ask for it if you are the one who sinned against the person. <laughs> so reconciliation involves that process. So he said, let them be reconciled to each other. And this is after they've been divorced. This is after they've been divorced. And of course, Jesus gives the concession, which he doesn't speak on that, but he includes that because he's speaking based on it. But he's saying, don't let that even be a concession if you can help it. Real quiet. Because there can be no reconciliation, there can be no restoration, and there can be no redemption without repentance. Because if you try to reconcile with a person without dealing with, that doesn't mean you heal from everything. Because you have to forgive each other. You have to. Um, But in order for there to be authentic trust rebuilt, people have to over time or in a moment, admit what caused the breach in the first place, or you're covering over brokenness, and you're going to come right back to that issue of brokenness all over again. Because if you don't deal with the issue that caused the breach, I mean, it's an oxymoron. If you don't deal with the issue that caused the breach, you can never build trust. You don't trust each other. You're just making, you're making up a relationship. God dealt with the breach through Jesus with us. He didn't like, oh, I forgive you, come on into the relationship. No, he killed his son. His son got murdered as reparations for our, and reciprocity for our sin. And God's the one sinned against, but he's so holy and, and, and just and godly that he provided to initiate reconciliation with us by dealing with the issues that separated us. In other words, God doesn't close his eyes at our sin. He looks at them and covers them by our faith in Jesus Christ. And so to be in a marriage relationship or any kind of relationship for that matter where you don't deal with the actual issues that cause the breach is a misnomer. It's not reconciliation. It's a false manifestation of your willingness to not deal with issues which are going to lead to deeper brokenness in the future. And you'll sleep in the same bed, but you won't trust each other. But some people live together unreconciled, sleeping in other rooms. You ain't got to say amen, but you can say ouch. Because you live in structural, functional dysfunction of irreconcilable differences. 
I'm not going to finish this today. I might as well not even try. Um, I was trying, Pastor I hear you. I'm, I was trying. Um, because I think as, as married couples, I, th- I think there's, there's just this misnomer when you get married that it's just going to be, y'all going to be, you know, if you let people's selfies on Instagram tell a story about their marriage and their Facebook and, you know, you got a whole folder about, you know what I'm saying, you know, gone on a cruise and look at us and we've been here and the vacation nights 2009 and the wedding vows and then, you know, you got the rings and y'all hold hands and an engagement and all of that kind of carrying on. You know what I'm saying? Y'all go take the pictures in the little booth where you close the little joint and you like this together and all that. If you let, let me tell you something, if you let people's selfies tell the story, there's nothing ever wrong. Why don't we post a beef between each other? You ain't going to post that. Ain't no likes. You're going to get your butt jammed up. Your whole thing going to be lit up with a feed. You got to say, view more pr- messages. View more messages. Because it's going to be locked down like a mug. <laughs> Nobody, all of us put our best foot forward. But if uh, Christians are real, if our selfies and if our social media reflected how broken we really were, somebody could get some help. Amen. <laughs> help me today, God. And see, we, we, we need to be honest, man. I know you wish your relationship was like that picture. <laughs> but, but what I love about God through Christ, what I love about him, is he does not ignore or cover over our brokenness. I love that. That he was bold enough through Jesus Christ to deal with our issues and the thing that brought a breach between us and him. That, that, that he said, I'm going to deal, he said, I'm going to face those issues. And that's what Paul is helping people to do in these Christian marriages up in here. He said, I want you to deal with all your issues, all your brokenness. He said, and don't just run. He said, I don't want you to just run good. I, I don't want you to just run towards, towards an out. That's the easy way to deal with marriage. Even though it, it even though like it said in, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, that when you become one, which I bought a cardboard box, and you take some glue on this side of the cardboard box, you take some glue on this one, some glue, and you put it on there, and you glue them to get crazy glue together, let it stand for 15 seconds. Then you pull it apart, and there'll be pieces of this box over here, and there'll be pieces of this box over here, because marital covenant is an eternal, mystical glue of the intermingling of people together. And when there's a breakage of that, you're going to go through pain that you didn't know because a piece of you is still on that person and a piece of that person is, is still on and and and, 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 God, and God does restore and he, rec- he does all of that. But I, 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 the marriage you're in right now, I want you to believe God for it. I want you to believe God for it. That's why I don't marry non-Christians. Because there ain't no way you, you need... You need seven different types of Jesus and 12 different types of Holy Ghost, nine types of blood, all of that. Because marriage is a wonderful place. But we mess it up because we don't do it God's way. And one of the things I'm always wrestling through in my marriage is re-loving my wife. That's a, that's a struggle, if I'm honest. Some days, let me my wife used to have this thing when we was married about five years. We could tell, I don't feel like I love you today. 
We say that to each other. Now, we, it was a thing. We would, it wasn't cruel, but we were, we were acknowledging that our feelings are feeling funny. But our commitment was to say, even though I don't feel like I love you, I'm going to decide to love you anyway. That's love. You missed that. That's love. And that's why marriage is a gift. You should not get married if God didn't sovereignly put you in it to be in a marriage. Now, you can't say now, well, I didn't mean to get married. I can tell now I'm sovereignly not supposed to be here. And so I, I sense the Holy Ghost saying in the spirit, right, hey, I feel him right now. He said, no, no, and no. All right. Uh, uh, I'm going uh, uh, to leave that alone. I'm going to leave verse 12 alone. I can't believe we only got through. Oh, help me, God. All right. Um, just as Christ has reconciled us, every head bow, every eye closed. Just as Christ has reconciled us through Christ. <laughs> just as he's reconciled us through his renewing power and his blood. I, I, I don't know why. I just want to stop there, God, and um, deal with this issue. Lord, I, I just pray for, pray for your people today. I pray for them. I pray for us. Um, that we would hold up marriage, that we would hold up marriage as a powerful place to be, a powerful place to live, powerful place to commit to, but then I also pray the same for singleness, that singles in the church wouldn't see themselves as second-class citizens. I pray that you would push couples who slept in different rooms and who come to church like everything is okay and I pray that you would give them the freedom to be honest about where their marriage isn't. And I pray in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you would help them to be reconciled. Bible says, Father, in 2 Corinthians 13, 11, aim for reconciliation. Aim for restoration. And I pray for that for them, that that would be their aim, that that would be their commitment. And that you would challenge every one of us in every single sector of our lives, as far as it depends on us, be at peace with those around us. And yet, particularly in marriage where, <clears throat> Lord God, we find ourselves <clears throat> wanting to choose to not be in that relationship and forgetting that it is a familial relationship. And so, God, I pray for your mercy. I pray for your grace and honesty that Christ's redemptive faculties by faith, the God who we can diligently seek by faith, I pray for restoration in marriages and restoration in families, and I pray for singles who may not be called to marriage to say, I'm going to find a way through Jesus Christ to honor him in this place and have faith in the fact that, that he's good, even in the stage of life that he's called me to be in now and long term. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen.